How's it going? Welcome back to the Generation to Hunt podcast. This is your host, Joe. Uh, just sitting in the, the dojo right now and uh, just kind of avoid being outside because it's just pure ice and wetness right now. and It's been miserable. It's been just nothing but rain and ice for the last five days and all that. So it was really nice to just hang out inside and get a lot of stuff done around the house and all that. So we got an awesome episode. This one is, uh, I kind of been meaning to do this one for a while, and I just found the right person at the right time. Uh, it's Kelvin. He's out of Minnesota, and uh, he's a chef, man. He's, he's a killer chef, and uh, I kind of, me and Matt kind of pick his brain on how to, you know, how he got into the outdoors and, you know, his background and all that, and it was really nice to, you know, kind of pick his brain on that and because I'm not, Never hunted Minnesota, and you don't very hear about that on uh, a lot of podcasts and all that. But it it sounds like there's some slammers out there, so it definitely could be on the radar here, real quick. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he does an awesome take on uh, basically how to prepare some some uh, venison and outdoor stuff and all that. Man, it's it's a really good episode. I'm I'm really grateful for him to be on here to. I suck at cooking, so I did learn a thing or two, you know. All I do is put the garlic salt and the, the lorries on, and I think I'm a, a master chef. So it was really nice to actually hear from uh, a great guy like that, dude, to break it down for me. So other than that, there's not much going on. I did get my tickets for tag. I'm not shooting with anybody because they sold out so quick. I just grabbed some tickets. I'm shooting Friday and Sunday. Uh Ultra view course and black rifle course, I think. That's what I think I got. I don't remember. Was, I don't remember what one, but uh, I probably won't even, you know, I, like I was talking to TJ and uh, I was like, man, I'm just going to shoot the caribou all day, man. I don't even know if I want to really want to go do the course. I've done it a couple of times. I just want to hang out. You know, it's all about camaraderie up there. So I'm just going to go hang out, talk to some vendors and, and hang out so if you guys plan on coming up there let me know we can meet up or whatever i can uh give you guys some stickers or i think i'll have some koozies left over if not uh i plan on having some hats here in the short future like less than a week so they're gonna be super limited because i only bought like 20 and i think like 10 are already sold so if you guys want a hat just message me. Maybe we can work something out. I don't know the price point right now. Their leather patch hat. Uh, I if I need to ship them, I can ship them and all that. That's not a problem and all that. But I think it's gonna be like twenty five, thirty dollar range for them hats. Uh, just depends on shipping, I think. But I think it's gonna be around twenty five to thirty. I think it's gonna be in that range. But if you guys want hats? Let me know. I at least can send pictures when I get them physically in my hand. They're supposed to be here soon and uh. Once I get them in here and you guys want one, just message me. Uh, let me know if you guys want some more apparel stuff. I I know a lot of people, like, like that's not me. I, I'm not an apparel brand, and there's just so much other good competition. It's hard to go in there and all that. But down the road, maybe we'll get some more shirts and stuff. And then other than that, some upkeep stuff would be just uh, an Apple review. If you can go there and leave a review and five stars or whatever somebody gave us a two star 
and didn't even leave us an explanation. I mean, fucking two stars, but whatever. Forget him. I'm moving on up. We're killing it. We're just here to have a good time. So if you can go write a review or just give us five stars or four stars, I'll take four stars. You know, I'm not nothing crazy. I'm just an average Joe. Four stars is that's passing in my book. That's passing. But if anything lower than that, I don't think you should leave any stars. That's my personal thoughts. But you can do whatever you want because it's America. Uh, Spotify, I'm pretty sure you can do some reviews on that or star rating. I don't use Spotify that much. I use Apple Podcasts as much. But uh, if you could give me a review or anything like that, let me know. We got some great episodes on the way, man. Tom- uh, yeah, tomorrow we got an awesome guy in studio. I can't wait. This is one thing I've been super excited and hopefully Michigan goes in the right directions and we can get this guy or a multiple people uh, start doing this in Michigan. It's such a great concept. It's more futuristic stuff, but uh, it is super exciting for the outdoors. Uh, I think it's more ethical than some other old school methods uh, for intrusion aspect of it. But uh You'll have to stay in tune for that one. Uh, got some target shooters coming up here for 3D season. Break it down. Uh, let me know if you guys, I know sometimes they don't, a lot of people don't get into target archery. Uh, like, what do you want to hear? Like, I can have them break down. I know there's such a the arrow to backle. Like, you could have five episodes about arrows and probably not cover all of it. So, we just want some basic tips. If what you guys want to hear, let me know. Shoot me a message, and uh, hopefully I can answer all of them. And I hopefully you guys have a great day. Welcome back to the Generations to Hunt. Um, today it's me and Joe. Joe, how's life? Awesome. And then, <laughs> Jesus, you kill <laughs> me every time you start like that. Um, we have a, a pretty unique guest. He's all the way from Minnesota. Um, Calvin, we just talked about it, Benedict. I, did I mess it up? I messed it up, didn't nope. I? Oh, I got it. Nope. Okay. Nope. I don't think he said it right. Joe, Joe still <laughs> thinks I messed it up. But, uh, Calvin, how's uh, how's everything going? Um, you're going to be a little bit of a different guest than we've had before. Um, so just kind of explain yourself and, and explain what you, uh, you you do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, appreciate you guys having me on here. It's pretty exciting. It's my first podcast, so I've never really done anything like this before. So if I stutter, you know, get a little, you know, words mixed up, I apologize. But I um, don't need to apologize. Yeah. No, <laughs> you've already, I've introduced him to the worst speller and worst speaker. Uh, so you can't, can't be worse than me. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, no, I'm, I'm from Minnesota. I'm an executive chef here in the Twin Cities. Um, so each and every day I'm just grinding at work, cranking out food, feeding people. Um, any given day, I'm usually doing about 2,000, 1,500 people a day. So on my campus, I have four cafes where um, we have food markets available for people to come in. So we feed all the employees. Um, and it's it's a lot. It's a grind. But I mean, it's really rewarding. I get to play with food every single day, create recipes, work with my staff. I mean, it's just definitely stressful. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I, I do enjoy cooking. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's part of the that's the main reason we brought you on. So we hadn't had anyone that talked really about wild game recipes. Obviously, you hunt. I mean, it's a hunting podcast and 
we talked a little bit, you've talked a little bit to Joe about uh, combining the two, your job and then your passion for the outdoors and then coming up with some wild game recipes. Um, so we'll kind of talk about both of those there. Um, let's talk a little bit about your hunting background, kind of what you have to chase out there in Minnesota and kind of maybe just describe some of the terrain a little bit because I've never been there. Joe only went there to make a KFC, so he probably didn't get to check out a whole lot. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been hunting since I was a kid, um, following my dad around for grouse up in northern Minnesota with my brake barrel 20 gauge, which I still have. It's um, great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, it is. It's classic now. Yeah. Um, heavier than hell. I mean, it's it's a Woodstock. You just it's it's a big gun for especially a kid who is you know not even a teenager at the time, but. Um, you know, I'd walk around with my dad, my uncle, my grandpa. We'd go up on weekends and just get lost for hours and um, definitely sparked my, my passion for hunting. I definitely stuck in it. Uh, as I got older, uh, I was lucky enough where my uncle had a, a cabin up north. We had 100 acres, and we go there, you know, religiously. I mean, every other weekend, opener, you know, duck opener, deer opener, everything was like a tradition. So, like, everybody got together. We'd go up. We'd have some cocktails campfires and just enjoy the weekend and you know i still do that to this day and i look forward to it every single season um you know up in northern minnesota it, it just it varies it's kind of crazy so as you go into like you know southern western minnesota it's you know all egg so it's all farm crop grassy prairie um then you kind of get into that south east side of minnesota and it's super bluffy and hilly and we have all these you know deep draws and that's where i hunt now is down in mazeppa which is near um what is it whitewater uh, national park and so it's right off of red wing and as you know if you've ever come through red wing before it, it, it follows the, the mississippi rivers so it has all these huge cliffs and bluffs and it's just absolutely beautiful um but, you know, I'd say it's it's pretty traditional. You got your big oaks and cedars and a lot of, you know, heavy trees anywhere you go throughout Minnesota where you guys are going to hunt, uh, mixed in with swamp and, and everything else with it. But uh, it, it's a fun state to hunt. I really enjoy it. I think we have some really high caliber deer here. Uh, definitely keeps you driven every single year, just going out, finding sheds, you know, figuring out what your next plan is for the next season. And I really enjoy bow hunting out of anything. Like I know I talked about traditions with hunting birds and upland waterfall, but I mean, I absolutely love bow hunting. It's, it's something that I, I started when I was in high school. So, I mean, I'm still pretty new. Uh, I, I mean, I, I consider myself pretty new. Um, with technology, it's just changing every single year. Once you think you got to figure it figured out, it's just constantly something else that's coming at you and you're trying to, you know, do better so. trying to decipher what's going to work and what's not going to work yeah yeah no here yeah. In, sorry uh here in michigan i would say we have a very we pretty much have two kinds of terrain we've got ag and very very flat and then up north you have uh i would say what pines and it's like row pines i don't want to call it big timber because compared to like wisconsin and maybe even minnesota like we don't have them like hundred thousand acre tracks, but no. And I mean, 
you have the farther north you go, the more rolling hills you get, but it's nothing like it's not any crazy elevation changes. Um, the other thing is the farther north you go, the lower the deer population gets. So we were talking a little bit beforehand, <clears throat> you know, in Michigan, we disagree, Joe and I disagree with some of the regulations and, and some of the things here, which we've talked about on other podcasts, but in the Southern part of Michigan, where we're at the deer density is high. I mean, it's nothing to see 20, 30 deer at night. Um, you know, I guess, what is that like for you in Minnesota? I mean, what is the deer density like out there? Yeah, it changes where you're going to be hunting. Um, you know, we, we hear about it more and more, but, you know, chronic waste disease. So, you know, we have certain zones in Minnesota that, you know, we have to do the gland samples throughout the season if you were to harvest one, if you're in that specific zone, um, just because it's, it's spreading everywhere. I mean, especially in southern Minnesota, but even in northern Minnesota, too, we still have it. Um when you say but, gland samples, so we, we have CWD here, and what they did for a couple of years is they would we would have to check our deer, and, and they would actually take the head of the animal. Um, when you say gland samples, what exactly are they doing to the deer? They take the thyroid, and it's like right underneath their jaw, and they they take they make they take samples of it. But I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, they they basically I've seen them do it. They they cut them just underneath their jaw. And then they, they pull that cape back and then they, they take that gland out from underneath of their jawline and run a couple tests. And either you get an email like, hey, it's positive or it's not. And, you know, that just kind of helps them see where that, I mean, you know, condition is and where it's kind of spreading. How long of uh, like a turnover on that? Like, let's just say like you turn in, how many days are you getting this email? I mean, like the week, month, like days or... So I've only had to do it once, but the turnover was pretty quick. I mean, I think he it within like two to three days. I would hate to be like, you know, the old government, like seven months later, but yeah, that was positive. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't eat none of that. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I mean, they say you can eat it, but they don't suggest it. So, yeah. yeah. Our state just, I mean, they still test, but at this point, they just tell us to shoot anything, yeah. anything that walks. They say smoking's bad, but they sell it on every gas station, too, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. It's hard hard to listen to their logic sometimes. So, yeah, I Sorry. No, I mean, just to kind of get more into the deer density, I mean, like I said, it just kind of depends on where you hunt, but I think overall, like, we have a pretty healthy herd here in Minnesota. Think we do have some really good hunting anywhere I've been. Uh, we've done really well, but just this past year, uh, for a rifle up at our cabin at my uncle's place, I mean, we had uh, six guys for two weeks, and we saw one deer, and it was the only only buck that we shot. And I mean, three years, four years back, we had six guys, and we shot you know five or six deer. I mean, it, it just it changes every single year, but. We think the wolves are definitely starting to kind of take over a little bit, which hasn't, hasn't helped, and we don't have a season here in Minnesota. But it seems like we're always the last ones to kind of get on board with what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that's same with ours. Like UP is just they're just they're just wiping out stuff, and DNR is like, no, they're they're fine, they're they're cool, they're really beautiful to look at, and they're just like devastating stuff. So it's crazy, like. Like you go right next to Montana and they just want to kill them things, and Idaho wants to kill them too. And like, I don't know. I think Wisconsin has a season now too, don't they? I, I, 
they do, but I want to say they only give out 200 licenses. Like you have to apply, yeah. and then that's like you know. I mean, I think when they when they sent out the 200, I think 200 were taken. Like I mean, everybody filled out a tag. So. Oh shit, that's pretty. That's pretty good. I was gonna say out of that 200, like what are like 10? 10 are getting taken but that's really good because you know i have a a guy that was out in wyoming and he hates wolves because he's a, a guide and all that so he tries to kill them but he said they're so smart and so and that's such a vast territory like it's so hard to get on them so i, I might be different in other states and all that do you know if you have like timber wolves or is it just regular gray wolves or is it i don't, I don't know timber, timber wolves. okay oh wow you got the big ones so that one's that's crazy i mean do you have a uh around you do you have any ag or is it kind of just more swampy stuff or so where i live you know i'm I'm in the suburbs i mean it's we're pretty much surrounded by you know cropland egg but uh, they're developing so much that it's just going away I mean, the housing market's just kind of taken off where I am. But luckily, we have a lot of Three Rivers parks. And so those are, you know, state-owned. Those are never going to go away, um, which have heavy, heavy timbers. And, you know, that's where I like to go shed hunting and just kind of get out, get lost with the dogs for a couple hours. And... You do any rabbit hunting with your dogs? No, I haven't. No, <laughs> just, just, I, I, I got a, a pup. You know, she's she just turned a year in June, and I took her out waterfall for the first time. And I mean, she loved to play in the water, but she just quite couldn't figure out where you know where it hits the water. I got to go get it and bring it back. You know, she'd go out like ten or twelve feet and turn around and come back, and I was like, "Well, this is great." So yeah, I saw. I've never. We've brought a couple people on and talked about waterfowl. I've never done any waterfowl hunting at all, so I. I don't know. I don't have much experience on that one at all. But I did hear you mention pheasants. So how plentiful are pheasants out there? Uh, I mean, it's fine. I wouldn't say it's super plentiful. When I when I go pheasant hunting, I usually go to North Dakota. Um, okay. But the, after the deer season, if I tagged out, hopefully, uh, usually from December to you know January first is the late season. You can shoot three roosters, but from October. December you can only shoot two so um, I like to get out through the late season I mean granted they're more elusive and cutting and they're educated and you know people have just been you know piss pounding public land for how many months now just bushwhacking running out there and shooting and I mean it makes it difficult but um, western is where you want to go I usually go out towards Painesville uh, which is about 40-45 minutes from the cities and it's it's nice it's really nice. I've, I've got some good success out there over the past couple of years. Um, and then I also go as far south as like Albert Lee, which is like right on the border of Iowa. And I mean, there always seems to be tons of birds down there too. It's just really nice to get further away from the inner city where just people are not willing to travel and just put in that sweat equity to try to find birds. That's usually what I'm doing just to try to get away from all that pressure. So is the phrase ditch chicken, is that pretty prevalent for, <laughs> I've heard it, I've heard it from other guys out West and stuff, but I've never, we've never called them that here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, you kind of remind me of my brother. I remember we're out uh, in North, North Dakota and I, I told that ditch chicken, like, what was that? 
And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's like a wild chicken, essentially. And uh, so we call them ditch chickens. And he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, but we don't have them that much, like, because, like, our, like, a lot of our ag and all that, we had them pretty prevalent when I was, like, younger. But, like, all these farmers were just ripping out all the fence rows and all that and just it just decimated their population yeah. so it's pretty tough to see them and then like we have a season for them like here and like i wouldn't even take advantage of them because how awesome like they are and like i would just let them be the other big thing here is we don't have tons of like large chunks of land like a hundred acre plot is a really really big plot i mean You'll see more here and there, but I mean, with pheasants, and again, I've never done it. It just, you have to, it looks and it feels like you have to have a lot of land to have a decent amount of success because you're doing a lot of walking and trying to kick them up. Yep. Yeah. And I like it. I absolutely love it. And it's just kind of like your therapy where you feel free to just kind of get out. It doesn't matter if it's snowing or windy, it's just being outside. It's just like the best therapy in the world. Being with your dogs. It's the best seeing them work and getting excited, and then they have that reward at the end, you know, after the shot, and they bring it back to you. I mean, they're just excited as you are, so it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I'm. I have beagles, which are not nearly as smart as bird dogs, but I. Uh, I'd be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a German short hair pointer, and that dog loves watching hunting on TV, but is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him to death, but he's dumb. But no, I agree. Taking the dogs out, running them, you know, I run them on rabbits here and just the, you know, watching them run. I mean, most of the time I don't even shoot at the rabbits anymore because I just like to watch the dog run. So that that's probably something I need to work on. But, um, yeah, taking the dogs out and just walk in the woods for a day or whatnot, especially, you know, if you've had a bad couple of days or need to get your mind right, it's uh, – there's just not much that really compares to that. There's not much that really helps, I guess, the way something like that does, or even sitting in a deer stand or, or something like that. Yeah, people call me crazy because, I mean, I put in a lot of tree time uh, during bowling. I mean, I'll do all day sits for, you know, how many days straight, you know, or every other weekend. I mean, I, I put in hours, and it'll be like 10 degrees out. Like, it's just not ideal for an all-day sit, but you just never know when that big buck's going to come cruising by at, like, 12, 31 o'clock on a midday cruise. You just you just never know. What, so kind, of, what kind of camo are you running at 10 degrees for an all-day sit? Layers, my friend. Lots yeah. and lots of layers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I would be crying if I tried to sit all day at 10 degrees. I'm not going to lie to you. I need a heater. You know, I got to pamper myself out there. You just get the catalog and go, one of everything, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yep, no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I own some Sitka, but um, it, they, they do a really nice job. I really enjoy a lot of their uh, Whitetail series. Um, but since I waterfalled a lot, I have a lot of their uh, waterfalls here, like their Hudson and their Gradient. And, I mean, that stuff's just great. Uh, and the thing is, is that by the time you get to your stand, you are dripping sweat. Like, I mean, it's just, it's brutal. So it's almost like you want to go out in just like a t-shirt and just tough it out for the walk in and then layer up at the base of the tree and then head up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't run into that a ton unless I'm hunting public land, and then obviously, yeah, I'm walking miles in. Like I said, Michigan has small tracts of land, so 
I only got a like, you know, nice trail to walk on. It's nice flat ground, so I guess we're a little pampered here too. Um, the weather out there in Minnesota, though, you said ten degrees. Is this is that a normal like yeah, November well. hunt? No, not November. Uh, usually, it's right around the thirties. Might drop down, you know, for just like a small period, like below zero. It's the wind that is brutal. The wind gets through you. I mean, pretty much will ruin it the entire hunt. But um, as you get into like late season, like December, because we can hunt all the way to January first for bow. You get into some of those December days when like we get our first snow or big snowstorm. It's cold. It's really cold. When does your bow season start out there? September, usually the second week. Oh, ooh, a little bit early. So have you ever got a chance yeah. at anything in velvet or no? It'd be tough. I mean, they're right at that time where they're going to be shedding their velvet. Usually I don't go because it's like 80, 85 degrees. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. just, it doesn't sound appealing to me, so I just don't. I just do a lot of pre-scout work and check cameras and just get ready for October. Because once you get that first cold front, uh, which is, uh, you know, last week of September, first couple of weeks of October is when it all starts, you know. And then it's just like you're constantly just going. Yeah, nothing like blowing out a tree stand early September because it's 80 degrees out and you wanted to go sit in a tree stand and sweat like crazy all night. Yeah, no, I, it's just not something that I've done. I mean, I definitely could, um, but I have not I have not yet. So I keep putting in for points every year to bear hunt because I want to at least try to shoot my first bear and see if I like it. But again, you know, you're doing a lot of your baiting periods, which is, I think is an obvious because the season opens up in September and it just doesn't sound fun sitting in a tree in a t-shirt, just absolutely miserable. You're just getting so. smoked by mosquitoes all day unless oh. when your thermocell runs out. Oh man, that'll yeah. ruin a day yeah. quick. You guys probably need like three or four thermocells, how much water you got up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Are there any turkeys? Do you do any turkey hunting up there or what? Yep. Yeah, we uh, we have a lot of turkeys. I think Minnesota has some opportunity to kind of change the regulations because it's only one for the season. Um, we They're abundant. They're everywhere. And I think Minnesota's done a really nice job of, like, uh, you know, increasing the population. But... I mean, they're just, they're so urbanized now. Like, you, you, you see them everywhere. You'll be, like, downtown, and they're just strolling down Main Street. Just, like, you know, and it's just so bizarre to me. It's almost, you know, they're just really domesticated. But uh, I I enjoy turkey hunting. It's a lot of fun. I only use my bow. I've, I've never shot one with a shotgun. Uh, I like that challenge when you're, you know, on the ground, in their element. You got everything against the other, super alert. But and then you see videos and they're just super dumb. People will be like literally walking out of their blind to get the bird that they just shot. And there's another Tom like three or four feet away just staring at you like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, that's just, how does that happen? I just don't get it. Yeah, I like turkey hunting, uh, especially because, uh, well, that reason right there. Like sometimes you'll just be dumbfounded about what just happened. But they also have a way of uh, humbling you real quick when they just decide they're going to not be dumb that day and just start doing things that don't make any sense. But yeah, Minnesota sounds a lot like Michigan in the same regards when it comes to turkeys. We are only allowed one, and they are, at least in the southern part of Michigan, just about everywhere. What Do you know what species of turkey do you got out there? Is that Marion, or is that? Oh, that's got to be eastern. No, I think. Well, the Miriams have the white tip band, right? 
I think so. <laughs> I'll be honest. I just know the name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're Eastern. Okay. Yep. So you guys are just like a, a wetter version of Michigan, is what it sounds yeah. like. You guys just don't have the big lakes. You have a 10,000. You have 10,000. Right? Your, your lakes are just broken up. Ours are just huge. And they, you, you'll like Google like Eagle Lake and you'll find like 10 of them. Like, I mean, they're just, it's crazy. There's just so many. You have to be super specific as to which county you actually want to fish in if you're looking up on Mediatic or Lake Finder on so, DR something. Are they actual lakes or are they just glorified ponds or is it kind of a mix of both? Both. Yes, exactly. I mean, there, there's some that are so off the beaten path where, like, the only way to get there would be, like, ATV or, you know, snowmobile or something. It's just, it's crazy how many. I, I'm pretty sure there's some that haven't even been found. So you also a big-time fisherman or just kind of more into the hunting side? Nope, nope. Yeah, I like to, I like to fish. I, I like open water and hard water. Uh, we've had a really bad hard water season just with the inclement weather. We, we got tons of snow, and then it got cold, and then it got warm again, and then it rained, and it just hasn't been a good year to get out on the lake. I mean, definitely have been doing some good fishing this uh, this winter. Um, but I really enjoy open water fishing, walleyes and bass. Dabbled in muskie, uh, but I really enjoy bass fishing. I go out with my father-in-law uh, quite a bit for yep. the opportunity. I'm more of a hard water fisherman, and yeah, the winter here has been just as awful. Um, I've spent a bunch of money on a flasher and all kinds of stuff, an electric auger, and I got to use it, I think, twice. So yeah, I feel your pain on the uh, rough winter. I mean, for wildlife, it's been good, but for hobby, it hasn't been great. What uh, flasher did you go with? Did you get a live scope? No, no, that's too expensive. I went with a low-end. I went with a, well, it's not low-end, but a, a Markham M1, just a pretty basic. It's the first one I've ever gotten, so just something to get me started. And then, you know, maybe down the line I'll get something that's a little bit more fancy. Them live scopes are like three grand. Yeah, yeah, they're not cheap. Yeah, they're I mean, not cheap, but it's pretty, it's pretty advanced technology, but it's it's amazing. I've, I've, I've had the luxury of actually seeing it and using it. So I don't own one, but my my father-in-law does so he spoils me whenever we're together i need to talk my father-in-law into getting me one yeah <laughs> i don't think he's gonna do it no I, <laughs> i've never ice fished in my life so joe is not a big fish no i really hate fishing. <laughs> i don't know why like my dad used to take me to these blue gale tournaments like at like on saturday i'm like dude this sucks i want to be watching <laughs> cartoons dad and i think that's where my hate came from fishing but like I could be slamming, I would go out with my brother-in-law. We'd be slamming walleye and everything. I'm like, dude, this sucks. And he's like, dude, what? <laughs> this is the best, of the best. And I'm like, nah, man, I, it ain't for me. I don't know. I'm just a weird guy, I guess. No, not at all. I mean, you know what you like. It is what it is. I mean, some some enjoy it, and you know, it like like you said, you could be having just an awesome day. You're just crushing walleyes, and then other days you go out to that same spot and it's just a dead beat, and it's just like it happens. Gonna be honest, I'm not a good walleye fisherman. I that's my main species I target for ice fishing, and I am like I don't know. We're we in Michigan. Um, have you ever heard of the Saginaw Bay? Yeah. yeah. So the Saginaw Saginaw Bay is one of the best walleye fisheries in Michigan, but I don't have the equipment. Like I don't have a snowmobile and stuff to get out on there. So I fish the Saginaw River. Well, the difference between the two is 
all the females stay out in the Saginaw Bay. So anybody who walleye fishes knows that the females are generally the bigger fish, and then all the smaller males come into the river. And we have a pretty liberal limit. Like, you can keep eight fish at 13 inches because there's so many of them here. Man, I've caught, like, two keeper walleye through the ice. <laughs> Because most of them are like 10 inches long, and I'll spend all day out there not catching anything. <laughs> and I just, I love it. I don't know. I don't know why Joe doesn't like it. Yeah, I've been seeing that a lot on the, what'd you say, Saginaw? Did I pronounce it right? Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy the, the, the caliber of fish that come out of there. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I've gone this year. I didn't because of the weather, but I've taken a charter out there on the ice, you know, because he's got all the stuff. And man, it's nothing to catch. I mean, we caught eight fish, and of the eight, I would say seven of them were probably four, four or five pounders. And you know, we didn't, we didn't even measure them because they were all just not even. I mean, so much, not even close to thirteen inches, way over. So, yeah, the Saginaw Bay. That and Lake Erie are probably two of the best walleye fisheries in in the country, I guess, in my biased opinion. We had a discussion about this at uh, uh, American Great Outdoors, uh, the show. Like, when everybody says, I'm biased opinion, it's the most biased opinion. No, no, this is my biased opinion. I know, but, but no, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying, like, people, like, with my unbiased opinion, they usually mean the most biased opinion. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it's my unbiased opinion. Yeah. But if you don't buy this, it's, you're, you're wrong. Yeah, you're an idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of deer, go back to deer, you know, what people will actually want to talk about. Let's <laughs> Let's be honest around here. Yeah. No. I, we, what kind of caliber of deer are we talking? Like on inch wise? I mean, I don't. I don't know. What, what's like a general good buck out there? Sorry, I had a little static from there. You kind of chopped in and out of there. But I heard. I think you know. You're talking about caliber of buck. Uh, it, it varies. I mean, I. I passed on a lot of deer that people would say I'm crazy. You know, I, I, I just, I would like to shoot a mature buck. I have yet to do it. Like I've shot plenty of basket racks. I've shot plenty of, you know, you know, two to three year old bucks, but it'd be nice to shoot something that's a little bit higher and like five or six years old. Um, I had a mega on camera last year and uh, it's, it was, I was just embedded in my brain, just seeing this giant velvet, just huge deer and I knew he was on the farm and I never saw him on the hook but I was like if I'm going to shoot one it's going to be that one and I was setting stone on it like I was hunting all season all day as much as I could and it just didn't happen dude, so. dude that sounds just like me yeah wait wait till you see him on the hoof I've seen my target one on the hoof like and he was locked on a doe and like as soon as I seen him I said I don't care whatever buck i seen like i'm not shooting that one i'm not shooting anybody else besides that one and i will not leave until i shoot that one and then they kind of pigeonholes yourself but like i was like that's how it gets when you get them target bucks man you just like get locked on them you get assessed with them you just go i don't care what anything else man i want that guy yeah no exactly i mean and, and that's what you want to do is you know let the smaller deer get bigger you know let them mature and, you know, you're able to actually harvest uh, an adult deer. He lived his, like, prime life. Case and doe is 
be in, you know, king of the castle and, you know, feel good about taking a, a nice deer. I actually just sent you a message with a trail cam picture so you can see the one that I had all year that I was looking for. And it just, I hope I find oh, it. What? Oh, that is not real. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, we can't show no one. We're not showing no one that. I'll be honest with that deer walked in front of me. There's no. Oh, cold I, brown. Cold brown. You'd be buck beaver. You'd fall out. You have, you're having a stroke. You're having a stroke, and you're like, nope, this is where I die. Just, wow. Okay, my deer is nice. Is really, really nice. That deer, like you said, was a, that's a met. Holy fuck. Yeah, I can tell you. Um, Anybody from Michigan, when he said mega, he wasn't talking 150, 160 inch deer. It's that's that's a fucking it's a minimum of a booner. Yeah, you know, you always get them people that go, "Oh, I seen a giant," and then it's like only like 104, 150. Dude, that thing, fuck, you could fit 150, <laughs> 160 inside his inside spread. Yeah, all day. I know. And I remember uh, talking to my buddy on the phone and. I was like, oh, first sit of the year it was great. You know, I, I had some just, you know, great deer moving through. It was like October. And I was like, but, you know, I crossed the river and I grabbed cards and I said, I'm really excited to get inventory on what's moving over there because I have yet to hunt that side of the farm. And it was like literally the second or third photo. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'd <laughs> lose my mind. It. Yeah. Oh, that's insane, man. That's a beautiful buck, man. Do you know Isn't if anybody it? shot him or? Not that I heard of. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go down there and and talk to a couple of the neighbors. I'm hoping to do some shed hunting on their property because I I don't think they do. Um, and it'd be kind of fun to start man, those relationships. Dude. And that's a buck too. If they know about it, they're not gonna say nothing. And then like, you know about it, you're not gonna say nothing. It's just like one of the things you're like, they probably know, and I probably know. It's so crazy that like, and that's like, dude, that's such a giant man. I really hope yeah. you get that thing. That'd be awesome to find his sheds, even to find the sheds. Dude. Yeah, that thing. That's a world class whitetail, dude. That's if is that is that normal that's not normal right in your side i mean it's not normal no like i mean i've seen some pretty impressive deer right. on that you know 140s you know 150s usually pretty average like a healthy like four yeah. and a half five buck but i mean that's something that's just yeah crazy. i was gonna say if that's normal we're coming to minnesota this fall <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stay in i don't care if it's a a uh, tool shed at your house. We're staying at your place, and we're just gonna hunt there. Uh, this is Minnesota's new Iowa. If that's yeah, normal. yeah. I've never, I've never got a trail cam picture of a deer within, I'd say, forty inches of that. <laughs> I mean, beautiful buck, man. I, yeah. I hope, I hope he made it. And yeah. then when you shoot him, we can bring you back on and talk about that because, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a. Yeah, there you go. Definitely, definitely for the rest of this podcast, don't even mention any streets, side streets, or anything about <laughs> anything about your property. I, 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 I would if you told me uh, I would come there just to, look, <laughs> just to see it in person. Just to see it in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, nuts, I mean, it's, man. It's not my property. It's it's a property that I have permission to hunt. Wow. I mean, it's it's. I am unbelievably lucky for this relationship that I started about like seven years ago. Uh, his his son worked for me. He was one of my cooks. Huh? And I was at work one day. I was just having a bad day. I was like, gosh, I had two 
trail cameras stolen off public land. Like I just can't believe somebody would take it. Like just, it's ridiculous. And he's like, you should, you should meet with my dad. And I was like, for what? And he goes, well, we have a farm in Southern Minnesota and he just shotgun hunts. If he goes, maybe he'll let you come in and he could bow hunt during the bow hunting season. And then, you know, he'll pretty much tell you, hey, your season's over because we're going to not hunt for the next three weeks. And so I went down there, shook his hand, super nice dude. I told him what my expectations were, type of person I was. And uh, I just said, you know, I, I don't ever want to impose. Uh, if you have a season where you're not going to be able to get out, I always have a bonus tag. So like I could fill one, you know, if you want some, some meat, more than happy to share. And he's like, you're more than welcome to come down. And I've, I've been down there now, like I said, for like the past like seven years. And it's just been amazing. It's it's in that bluff country in that Southern Minnesota where it's, I mean, it's just gorgeous. It's just rolling hills, river bottom. Uh, it's a giant ridge is what it is. And then it peels off to the bottom into this river bottom. And then he has another probably acre, two acre chunk on the other side of the river. So with the drought that we've been having, it's been super easy to cross. And so I just was like, why don't I just, give it a give it a shot and go see what it's all about and as you can see it was worth it yeah um, but i have i have you know neighbors on on all sides so and they i know they hunt because uh, i see them you know out there fighting on the rifles and stuff out in their huge crop fields yeah, I guess I need to be nicer to the people that work for me because no one's offering me up land with you bucks like that. <laughs> All the people yep. hate you. I personally know. Hey, well, talk about public land real quick. Like, how how prevalent is public land in, in your area or there? I mean, is there a lot of it? It seemed like there would be, but like you said, the housing department department ugh, de- development housing market development. <laughs> Matt, development. <laughs> See, you can't be worse than me. And uh, development has been, you know, taken over. So, how's the public land access there? I mean, in the metro, there's not too many places to hunt. Um, if there are, there's little small parcels. You kind of have to get out of the metro and travel, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just to get to some spots. But again, then you're running into issues with pressure. You know, because everybody's looking for a spot that's close to home. I can sneak out, get a quick sit in. Um, so, I mean, you do have to kind of put in some time and scout and try to figure out where you can go. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I haven't hunted public land in, in a while. If I do, it's usually out in western Minnesota for pheasants. Um, so I don't know the struggles that a lot of other outdoorsmen, you know, hunters have every year just trying to find a spot to hunt. What about like leases and all that? Is that lease a lease thing kind of prevalent, or is that a lot of permission stuff, or is it kind of here and there kind of thing? I think it's like here and there. I think it's more you know knocking on doors. I mean that's what I've done for turkey hunting. I just have never done it really for deer because I always feel like you know everybody has an uncle that hunts it. You know I mean oh my uncle hunts it or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So you guys, you know, yeah, feel it too. Kind of is what it is. But then, you, then again, like sometimes you like hear these people, like kind of like you, like, oh yeah, just my. I asked this one person, and I got this beautiful property. I'm like, every dude I have ever asked or person I ever asked, they're like, no, I got 15 people hunting. But you're more than welcome to hunt it. But you got, I've like, never gotten that. I've got wow. more of the opposite. Like yeah. if you ask and people get it, like it's weird. Some of the reactions you get oh, just yeah. asking for permission. I've been. 
yelled at. Um, I most people are courteous, but sometimes like if you accidentally wander across like a uh, like an animal rights activist who happens to own land, oh, you're in for a treat. Yeah, that's my that's my own my <laughs> to my least. There's a goat farmer, and she's like a super big animal lover, and like she's like people have shot a deer going on her property, and she goes, nope, no permission to get it. Like, well, I'm like, what? It's like the well, animal's already dead. Like, what do you get to do? Like, just let it rot there? It, but she's nope. Don't want you get it. It's crazy. It really is. Yeah, I, I, I haven't had anybody really yell at me. I mean, I've just people have. I mean, it's the Minnesota nice. It's they're gonna be like, oh yeah, sorry, you can't. And then as you leave, you know, who knows what they say. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it happens everywhere. But it doesn't hurt to ask. You know, I mean, I've even offered like, hey, you know could I come back tomorrow and bring you a case of beer or you want some like medicine sticks? I mean, it doesn't hurt to, you know, offer like a, a gesture just to say, Hey, thanks for taking your time to, you know, just talk. Um, yeah. D- did you call it Minnesota? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the Canada of the U S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, we're so passive aggressive. It's not even funny. So it's just kind of the way we taken to that, I guess, but I'm pretty forthcoming. I've, I've never really, you know, uh, had the need to talk to anybody behind their back. But, um, you know, another uh, fun topic is there's a group that uh, I'm I'm a part of, and it's called MBRB, and it's uh, it's Metro Bowhunters Resource Base, and they have this relationship with Three Rivers Parks, and so Three Rivers Parks are all over the metro, um, and we we get uh, picked every year, depending on how many preference points you get, to hunt in those parks because they want you to shoot deer because they cause so much damage to vehicles or they're just overpopulated and they're starting to kind of run over. I mean, it's fun. They, I mean, they want you to shoot deer. So you go in there and you can shoot, you know, as many tags as you have. You know, it's still within the regulations of the Minnesota, you know, uh, you know deer, uh, what do I call it, deer regulations. But um you have a potential chance of shooting a boot because I mean you have some big deer that are untouchable they're they're urban bucks and you can go in I mean I saw one last year um where I was hunting crow ass and it was it was a giant it was probably 160 inch deer yeah just running chasing a doe and uh, I mean you just never know uh, but it's it's really fun you have to do tests and a bunch of orientations and stuff, but it's pretty simple just to be a part of it. It's like twenty dollars a year just to kind of you know keep your membership, and That's it's really fun. It. Yeah. some really cool dudes too. Yeah, I think that would be super cool. I wish. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's parks around here that we, we you could some, definitely do that. We had some parks. Uh, did you have to do a paper paper plate test for your bow? Like yep. Yeah, you shoot five arrows at 20 yards, and you have to be within, I think it's like six inches. And then there's certain places that consider a sharpshooter. So you have to, I think it's like either three or four within four inches at 20 yards, right. you know. And then and then you pass that proficiency test. They sign off on it at your, like, archery shop, and, and then they approve it, you know. Do people fail off. that test? Oh, I'm sure. Really? At 20 yards? I guess that, that, Come that, on, people, Matt. People have to be not practicing it. I mean, like, I would understand maybe out to 40 yards. But Come on, Matt. How, yards... many, how many times have you, you heard people that, our, our opening is October 1st, by the way, but, like, 
September 29th, they're like, well, I probably should get the bow out from underneath the bed. <laughs> yeah, you think, but come yeah, on, You're man. not wrong. I guess it's just different for me. I couldn't imagine yeah. being outside of a six-inch circle at 60 or you ever, 20 yards. You ever seen the Instagram bullseye? Like yeah. where he is like go zooms up and it's like a perfect arrow in the bullseye and then he starts to walk away and there's like thirty arrows all on the outside <laughs> like twenty feet away. It's like yep, that all dialed in, <laughs> ready, yeah, for, ready for sure. opening day. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but now I want to look for it. But it makes total sense. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you put in your time and yeah. you know arrows i mean you don't have to do it every single day Uh, i mean some people love it i mean that's like that's what they want to do yeah Uh, i just don't have the time yeah but i mean i i definitely come you know spring getting ready for turkeys i mean i'll be out shooting arrows because right across the street from my house they have a really nice um public park and they actually have a like a circuit archery range so you can go in and you know it's free it's great i need these parks around yeah, me man. i don't have any of that sort of sounds awesome i know moving over here you can just come buy a house in minnesota we have a mayo clinic in uh, rochester yeah and- look at there you go my wife doesn't listen to the podcast you can't sell it i don't know but you've been showing me some deer that have been changing my mind so <laughs> That's yep. stop sending them to me, please. Stop. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, I, I. So, like, you talked a little bit about the regulations. Like, so, what's your like, uh, like, how many buck tags and like how many doe tags can you get for uh, just a normal, no special unit kind of thing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 allowed one buck uh, for your legal tag, and then you can buy bonus tags. Um, it depends on where you're hunting. Like in the metro, I think you could shoot up to like four. Four, four or five no does oh, um yep and then as far as like rifle goes um it's it changes by each zone um as far as how many does you can shoot but it's, it's one buck only in minnesota and that's if, if you shoot it with a bow then you you can't shoot a buck with your rifle or vice versa oh yeah well, i think that's pretty good i think that's that's what we strive we strive for well we can get we have two bucks and then ten doe that you can, and then our ten doe is this universal through the whole state. It's lower peninsula, right? It's the entire state. The whole state. So yeah. we can use them anywhere. And then the two bucks, one's a restricted tag. Is it plus three on one side? I never get to use my buck tags anymore. It, so the buck tag situation is odd. So we have obviously we have CWD here yeah. too. So like. Outside, for a majority of the state, you get one buck any size, and then the next one has to have four or more on one side. And then certain areas have APRs for the first tag and the second tag. And then, like, in the 10, I don't know if it's 10, there's a certain, like, couple counties, which just happen to be where Joe and I live, and you can shoot a buck of any size for both tags. So I can dump two spikes if I was really feeling froggy about it. So it just really depends on what area of the state you're in as far as what kind of buck you can shoot, um, which can be a little confusing um, unless you live where Joe and I are. It doesn't matter. And just if it's brown, it's down. Right. That's crazy. Ten tags. That's wild. It, I don't. I don't know. 
that's crazy. And I can show you the our statistics that came out because we went to a mandatory harvest this year. And guess how many? Guess what the ratio of the buck doe ratio was? Oh man, I, I don't know. It, like more. Fifty fifty two percent were antler harvests. Yeah. We have f- literally five times the amount of tags for does. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That's how bad our ratio is. That's why we like, we I, like. Don't get me wrong. I really don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> how bad I hate Michigan, but like, I there's some good in it. But it's just like, like people just don't like if they don't look at that statistic and go, "Wow, we're probably fucking shit up, aren't we?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and it was like it was like crazy amount of numbers too. But I it's just it was a 50, couple hundred thousand. Yeah, a couple hundred thousand fifty-two. It was a fifty-two percent was fifty-two percent antler deer. And we literally get five times the amount of doe tags. So that's what. And then people just don't. They're the same ones that like shoot something, and then they go, "Man, Michigan just doesn't have them big bucks, man." Like these other states. <laughs> like the buck you sent us. Uh, you're talking. I mean. Maybe one a year in our county yeah. would get shot of that size, and and I'm talking maybe one a year. Yes. I can, I know of two deer, and I would say maybe the last five years that I know of that were that size or possibly bigger that I were killed. Know. Like Luffs, Luffs was close. Luffs was probably that size, and then there was a guy out in uh, Ovid who yeah. shot one. That was yeah, a big buck, but yeah, it just doesn't happen often. 130 inch deer in Michigan is a big deer, and and, and I'm not saying like everywhere's elks is like that, because like like that deer that you showed us and all these other ones, like in other states, like so much has to go right. You know, EHD is bad in some other states, and just you just say the car fatality rate of any other deer. It's just so crazy, like what these deer have to survive the winter, harsh winters, and all that, just to make it to six five years old is it's almost yep. a miracle in a sense so. yep yep yeah and that's if you're up you know you own your own private land and you're able to manage your deer and do a really good job of it you know but not a lot of people have that luxury yeah even yeah. if you even do that just like i said like freak stuff happen just car hit them or just anything like that or yeah oh yeah it was just a lot of things so they get gored in a fight i mean yeah, There's lots of crazy things that literally, can happen. Literally rut themselves to death. Like yep. that's, I guess it's the way I would want to go. Then, <laughs> but like that's just crazy. Um, so we talked a little bit about well, we talked a bunch about hunting. Now let's get back into the culinary part of it. So, of all the wild game you've ever eaten, what is your favorite wild game to cook and eat? Uh. It, you know, it's it's a loaded question. I mean, I, I really enjoy uh, ditch chickens. They're fantastic. <laughs> um, but I mean, primarily, I mean, I, I love I love deer. Uh, I I haven't been able to harvest an elk or a mule deer, so I I really haven't been able to taste you know the difference as to the two meats. Uh, I heard they're both fantastic, but um, you know, I I really enjoy them. I really do. I know how to cook it. And it doesn't taste different than beef. I mean, to other people, they think it's too irony, but um, I, I think they're wrong. I really think they're wrong. I mean, it, it's a fantastic piece and cut of meat, and you can do anything that you would do with with beef. I mean, there's there's no difference other than the the lean, 
uh, of, of a whitetail because there's no fat. I mean, it's just crazy how, how lean the, the piece of meat is, but you, you definitely could fix that if you were to grind it or turn it into sticks or, you know, you can incorporate fat into that, you know, to bring out that flavor that I think people are looking for. What's your favorite way to cook venison? <clears throat> On what occasion? Yeah. Um, He's just got loaded questions. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta understand like i told this guy i said like our most cooking experience is a can of creamy mushroom like that's what we're like <laughs> we're getting fancy over here but, like i mean when i cook venison so i guess when i think of venison i think your your prime cut are going to be your your tenderloins i personally my favorite cut on a whitetail is the interloins but um some people don't like eating them just where they're located but the the tenderloin on a whitetail like that's what everyone thinks is the prime cut. I mean, what's your favorite way to cook a, a venison tenderloin? So like our tenderloin usually at like deer camp is lunch. Like if the deer has been hanging for a couple hours or overnight and you know, you're going to take it in and you're going to make an appetizer for the crew. You know, it's like you're a little piece of gratification. Like I did it. I filled the tag. This is great. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I don't like to put it on the grill. I think it dries out so fast because of how high heat it is. So if you have a really nice cast iron skillet, don't use butter because essentially it's just going to burn on you. If you do use butter, use it at the end, just kind of more as like a finishing, uh, like basting the, the steak or the loin. Um, but season it well, salt and pepper, maybe some fresh garlic, some fresh herbs, maybe a little bit of onion, but a lot of that's just going to be for flavor. Um, don't cook it anything more than medium. Um, otherwise it's, it's just, then it starts to taste like liver. So you want to, you want to have it as, as red as you're comfortable with. So you're about a medium red. Well, I already know where I'm going wrong. I literally dump butter in right away. No, yeah. I love butter. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's what I, I, I just put my, I put my mushrooms with butter and then I just take the mushrooms out and just use all the leftover juice and. So what's your favorite cut of venison then? I guess, I mean, if it's not tenderloin, I'm not saying that you didn't say that, but like, what is your favorite yeah. cut of, ven of, of venison? Uh, you, you can't go around with a bad strap. You know, you can do so much of it. You can cut them into steaks. You can cut it actually and keep it in a loin and do it whole and roast it and then carve it and do it super thin and it's just tender and it's perfect. That's usually the way I like to go with it is, is doing like a whole bone. And I, I do it for dinner. I cook it for the family or um, I, I host usually like a guy get together and have a bunch of the guys over. We drink bourbon, cigars, poker, and do a nice meal for the, everybody. And that's, that's typically my favorite cup. I think it's, it's super lean, flavorful, and you can do just about anything with it. You treat it just like it would be a steak. Well, this might be probably the most dumbest redneck question you'll probably get. I'm excited for it now. Because I, 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 I'm going to fuck it up the pronunciation. Is it, is, is it not Sufe? Sous-vide. sous, -vide. sous -vide. Is it, yeah. Yeah. You ever sous-vide yet? Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh. I, honestly, like uh, an induction cooker is another way you can say it too, but uh, I've, I've, I've never um, done it here at the house. I know plenty of buddies that do um, and I think it'd be great. Then you can actually start with butter. Then you just pack it with a bunch of herbs and shallots yeah. and spices and seasoning, and then you vacuum it tight, get all that air out, and then it's in a controlled cooking water bath. Yeah. And you set it 
to the perfect temp, you know, about that 120 and just let it go for, I think it takes like two, three hours. And then as it comes out, you have this, you know, nice, ready to go hot pan, get a nice sear, just kind of hold those flavors in and then just let it rest for like five minutes. And it's like going to be the perfect steak you'll ever eat. Have you ever pickled any venison or jarred? Is, is pickling or jarring it? I don't know what it's called. I've never done it. They put it in the jar and then they cook it. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it's called pickling because I think pickling you would have to use like vinegar and all that. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's just canned. Canned. There you go. There's the lingo I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm sorry, Calvin. We're so <laughs> we're so bad. <laughs> I mean, if people did, it might be their innards. Um, you know, if it's like liver or heart or maybe something on those lines which you know those can just be incorporated into your ground you know venison it, it gives some good flavor and very nutritional um but i I've, I've never done it myself the only thing we, we pickle here or can is pike it's fish and okay. it's i mean you either gonna have really really good pickled pike or you could have really really bad pickled pike because i've had some really <laughs> bad ones where like it's just awful but then you have some where, like this is not bad i mean it kind of reminds you of, like moonfish but um yeah it's it's something that i've never wanted to learn how to do with canning venison it just doesn't sound good it's it really popular here or, yeah. i don't know yeah, I don't I, see. I'm not a leftover guy, so like that just like automatically feels like leftover to me. Like it's like I know a lot of people that have canned venison. Like it, it's, it's it's definitely something I would say is not the most popular way, but it's not what I would consider uncommon no, here. No, I, I I do have a question though. You would probably be the perfect one because I really don't know this question. What would the best way to you got a brand new cast iron pan like? A nice Griswold, like what are you gonna do with it? Like, like how you how are you seasoning that? Oh, so you got yes, exactly. So you have to season it. Uh, I mean, don't use olive oil. You you want something that's like very neutral, so you can use vegetable oil, canola oil. Um, it's just getting a nice coat on the inside of that pan, and then it goes in the oven. Don't cook on it. It goes in the oven, and you just. I'm trying to think as to how long you want to keep it in there. I mean, at least 30 to 45 minutes, you want to keep it in there at a low temperature. Let those oils kind of naturally go into that cast iron skillet. And I think where people go wrong is the maintenance. I love a cast iron skillet, but they're really high maintenance. So, I mean, you don't want to use soap when you clean it. You don't want to put it in the dishwasher. I mean, essentially all you want to use is salt. Uh, it's just a splash of water with like some like steel, you know, and just get that thing as you know clean as you can, and then just make sure it's dry. It's and you have to season it after every use because you'd be surprised on how much water is going to purge out of that pan after you use it or like after you clean it. Like you want to make sure that you reseason it before it goes like back on the shelf for the next time when you use it. Ah, uh, I see. And would you? I hear people do... Go no, ahead. No, no, you go, no. Go ahead. Here you go. I mean, some people don't even clean them. I mean, there's some people that literally would just it, they just let it go. You know, if it's not something that's burnt or it's they just kind of let it be. And I don't really agree with that. But yeah, from a food safety uh, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's not ideal. <laughs> I don't think that would pass serve safe. If, <laughs> I would uh, guarantee I'm I'd so get fired if I do that. that. That's well, awesome. well, I I uh, I build KFCs for a living, and uh, so I okay. I know some of the basic uh, stuff. I don't work at them. I they would not want me to work and cook at them, but I know some of the regulations to get my occupancy licenses. So, yeah. I don't deal with serve safe. I just deal with whey protein. But I know Jeez. about food quality or food food safety. That's weird that you wouldn't have to have. I guess you're all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty impressed when you said, uh, you know, surf safe. I was like, no way. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I was like, I, yeah. When you were like, oh, I'm in construction. And I was like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I've done some Chipotle's. I've done some of the classier joints too, but it's mostly Kentucky chicken. <laughs> so, yeah. but mostly, most had bulletproof glass in them. So that's like how <laughs> good of areas they are. But, right. Little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They always. They, it's all right when you're like the redneck and guys, all that, and they see the, they see the camo. They usually don't mess with you. So, <laughs> uh, so, um, do you have any uh, fancy venison recipes you want to share with us? Yeah, I know that uh, Joe and I were talking back and forth when we first started chatting, and I mean. I really enjoy roast. It's the easiest thing you can do. You can either use the top round or the bottom round and, you know, crock pot is like your best friend. And you just got to make sure that you sear your meat, you know, I think that's really important. So if it's starting from an actual pan and then going to the crock pocket, uh, crock pot, you have to sear it. It's just the only way that's going to make sure that it doesn't dry out and you got to make sure you have plenty of moisture or fat in there as you cook it. But, um, Anyway, so one of my favorites is like a barbacoa. So like using that uh, bottom round or top round, using garlic, lime, uh, a bunch of spices, cumin, paprika, chili powder, garlic, onion, and um, just letting it go on low heat. Because uh, you don't want to rip it. Otherwise, what will happen is we'll just break down those proteins like too fast for a long period of time, and it's just going to be like mush. You want to make sure you still have that like to the tooth, like, good textured meat low heat and just letting it go and as it comes out in your whole roast you'll be able to actually shred that and save that liquid so when you shred it outside of the crock pot ladle in a cup at a time and incorporate that back into the meat so that those flavors still stay there and it keeps it nice and moist so that it doesn't dry out and then you can either use it on like quesadillas tacos um, he can do white bowl burrito. I mean, he can use it for anything. It's even good the next day. He can eat it with some eggs in the morning, make some breakfast burritos. Uh, yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, that's that's good. That sounds so good. Like he told me that. Like to be uh, to be honest, like I always like kind of like test people. Like I like I ask them like a question, like what's your favorite recipe for deer and all that, and then they respond. I'm like, okay, because there's so many fake people on Instagram, it's so crazy. And then like you told me that, I was like, damn, that's a pretty good recipe. And yeah, I, I'm gonna steal that. I'm, I was like, I'm stealing that. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I execute it? That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. But at least I got the basics. So. We'll yeah. do a teaching kitchen on our next uh, on our next podcast. You know, I'll show you how to do it. It'll yeah. be like an interactive one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that would be ideal. Yeah, because we're gonna need classes. 
Uh, if you haven't caught on to that yet. Yeah, we can start a segment, Cooking with Kelvin. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Just every <laughs> week, bring Kelvin on to cook oh, his recipe. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he could, like, tell, like, he's going he's gonna, to uh, Gordon Ramsay us, like, I said mince. I said mince the the garlic, not chop the garlic. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm at the camera and <laughs> so, I'm totally cool with that. I mean, yeah. can start. This could be this could be a million dollar idea. Let's not let's keep it on the hush. You know. Yeah. Well, and the cooking with cow yeah. goes well too. Yeah, that, right there, dude. We I got we got to get a web MD that or not a web MD not web MD. <laughs> what's that? We got to buy the domain name there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. The GoDaddy. The GoDaddy. Yeah, GoDaddy. Go uh, so. Yeah. Um, I know Joe's gonna like this one. What about your favorite fish recipe? I know it's not pickled pike. Um yeah. <laughs> but uh what about your favorite I'm guessing this is a a bold assumption, it's walleye as uh, your favorite type of fish to eat? Uh yep, either that or panfish or either crappie bluegills. Um they're fantastic to eat. Um but primarily is what I like to target and eat and cook as well just because, I mean, they're great. They don't taste fishy whatsoever, uh, to me anyways. Uh, they're a great fish. It's firm, really good meat, and you could pretty much do anything you want. But, I mean, here, everything is fried. Like, anywhere you go is either pan-fried, deep-fried. It's either a beer batter. Shore lunch is a big one. Uh, like any fish and chip you go on, it's almost a guarantee that a guy is going to have, like, a little electrical fryer and store lunch and you eat and take fish every single day yeah it's no uh, different here uh fried fish is the the way the way to go it's the it's the go-to it's easy you generally can't mess it up uh, i'm not saying i haven't you know uh but it's generally fairly easy to get through so um you guys have fish fry fish fry fridays is that <laughs> is that a thing that's the thing like, yeah especially right now because we're in lent, lent yeah. so yeah so everybody i mean even at work Right now we're doing fish Fridays. I mean, but granted, you know, I'm doing, you know, grilled salmon or, you know, seared maki or tilapia. I mean, I do just about anything you could think of. Um, but uh, one of the recipes I have at home, my kids absolutely love fish fries, is uh, it's one can of beer to a cup of flour and one egg. And it's those three items. And then you can add in either like garlic or onion powder and any salt and pepper. And it's just like the perfect beer batter. You don't have to dredge it in flour. You don't have to do anything with it. Just a light, just coating that goes on your fish, and you put it in the pan, and you just let it go. And kids absolutely love it. I'm gonna have to try that one too. Then I'm pretty basic. I buy the pre-mixed stuff at the store because is that like Drake's? Is that is Drake's? No, Drake's is Drake's has no flavor. I'm not gonna lie. Everyone loves Drake's, and I am not a big Drake's guy. But uh, well, I forget. Mine's like. Uh, I forget. It's upstairs. I'd have to go. I'm not going to look. Um, <laughs> Please but, do, uh, Matt. We, we're not busy. Do you do any, um, any like, smoking or any kind of barbecue with either the fish or the venison or uh, even the pheasant or anything like that? So I don't own a smoker. It's just one piece that I've never got. I have plenty of friends that have them, and I absolutely love them. Like, I want one so bad, but, I mean, justifying spending – $1,500 to some are like, what, two grand for like a Traeger or something? It's just unreal what people yeah. are paying for. 
Um, but what I really like about them is that you can do a really nice smoke and then most of them have a spear box. So as they've been sitting on that Traeger for, you know, however long, <clears throat> put it on the spear box and get some nice, like, you know, caramelization, get some nice, nice coloring on it. it it's out of this world. I usually do that with steak, venison, chicken is a big one too. Uh, I've never really smoked fish. I do at work, um, but not at home. I'm a and, big fan of smoked salmon. I, oh, smoked salmon. I like smoked salmon. I love salmon. smoked salmon. But not like... If it's done right. Salmon, especially because I'm assuming when you catch salmon there, they're pretty fresh, or do you, do you catch them coming back to spawn? So you have to go up to Superior. Um, you know, I've never done a salmon run here in Minnesota. I have on the on the West Coast when I lived in Seattle. Um, but if you were to do it, leave the skin on. And yeah. you can... You can you can put foil on the bottom. You're still going to get that flavor of what you need, but leave the skin on and then just put, you know, your dry cured. That's that's the biggest thing is you have to cure it before you actually smoke it. Some people just do it just dry, just as is, maybe a little salt and pepper. But, like, if you do, <clears throat> like, an equal part sugar salt and you can add in whatever, you know, spices you want to use, cure it. And then before it goes on the smoker, after it's cured for 12 hours, 24 hours, make sure you wash it to get that extra, you know, brine for the cure off and then put it on the smoker. And it's just absolutely fantastic. It's almost like jerky after it like caramelizes with that sugar. But that smell really breaks down the proteins and the bones and other stuff that's in there. And it turns out fantastic. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, like a fresh salmon right out of the lake before they come up to spawn is probably the best you can get. Um, once they come up to spawn, it, it's kind of hit or miss on what you're getting as far as the same quality of fish. But smoked salmon is one of my all-time favorites. It, uh, there's just not much that compare. If done right, if you don't do it right, I will say, and I know this from experience, if you don't do it right, it can be, it can be a pretty rough experience for you, I'll tell you that much. Because salmon... <laughs> can have especially if you're used to walleye it's got a bit of a a, a lot harsher taste than than what walleye does it's yeah. not walleye is pretty tame i would be pretty bad that's like if i was like to like fishing that it would only be to like salmon because like salmon's so expensive i'd be like that's the only reason i would do it is salmon like, fishing's fun because it's a big fish it's a lot of fun to catch yeah sounds boring <laughs> to me but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so, so funny story about the, the smoker. So I, I got to share this with you guys. So I, I came home from work one day and I noticed uh, a guinea hen in my neighbor's front yard. And if you don't know what a guinea hen is, is uh, it's native to Africa, but people grow them or raise them here in Minnesota or wherever um, as like a domestic chicken. They're just, they're bigger. It's still a white meat bird. And uh, my neighbor's like, this damn bird is jumping on my truck. He's scratching up my hood. He's pooping all over my driveway. He's like, I want this thing gone. And I was like, well, I can bring Pepper over. I was like, she'll run that thing down. And uh, he's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. You know, the kids, the kids, you know. And I'm like, okay. His wife pulls me aside and she goes, get that thing out of my yard. <laughs> <laughs> At like five five thirty, everybody's eating dinner, and I scooted out and went down the street with Pepper, and like she was already on point, you know, a hundred yards down the street. And I'm like, come on, I'm like, get up here, we gotta be quick, you know. And so she ran this thing down, caught it, and uh, I brought it back to the house, and I ended up 
dunking it in boiling water. I pulled all the feathers off of it, put it in a, a wet brine, so sugar, salt, spices, onion, whatever, brined it, then put a nice dry rub on it, and I threw it on my neighbor's Traeger, and it was fantastic. It was so good. It was like some... <laughs> Like the best chicken, or like guinea hen, or whatever I had. It was, now it was you're fun. looking. Now you're looking for places to go guinea hen hunt. You ate your neighbor's pet. <laughs> <laughs> no, must have got out of somebody's farm, and it just happened to oh. pick up neighborhood. Oh. It wasn't his. Okay, yeah. I thought it was. I thought they bought it and then they hated it. Is <laughs> <laughs> that enough? Get this thing <laughs> out of here. That would be so fucked. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, but I was, I was going around the neighborhood to all the neighbors and just like handing out little pieces of the meat. I was like, here, try this. They're like, oh, this is really good. I was like, yeah, I was like, knowing Denny had those in your front yard, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. You're probably like, I, I hope they some more come around here. Yeah. Now, do you have any recipes that you like just have created yourself that you've ever just written down or, and shared or anything like that? Uh, You know, I, I pretty much take recipes that are you know, that you can find anywhere on the internet, but I just, I tweak them myself, you know, I mean, it, it takes, you know, trial and error with certain things, like, uh, like one of them is venison stew, it's one of my favorites, I don't put potatoes in it, so it's just a hearty vegetable venison stew, the biggest thing that you gotta add in there is Worcestershire, and a lot of people forget about that, it's, what was that? it's just great, Worcestershire? Joe, please try it. Nah. Come on. Nah, nah, nah. You're, you're, come nah, on, nah, try nah, nah, it. My public school ass knows better to mess around with words that have that many syllables. And... See? Damn you, I hate you. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be like an episode of like Larry the Cable Guy when you're talking about Worcestershire. Yeah. yeah I think we just call it W sauce. That's what we call it. Like us like smooth oh, smooth brains just call it W sauce. <laughs> that W sauce. Uh, yeah. As soon as I heard it, I, right, I let, had to give it a go back to the recipe. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. No, um, but again, you know, you sear, sear your cubes to me <clears throat> and then you add your garlic, your onion. And then as that starts to brown and caramelize, add your tomato paste and then deglaze with the Worcestershire. You can add some red wine, a bunch of thyme, rosemary, you can add beans, oregano, um, and just and just letting it go on low heat. You know, you don't want to boil it. Otherwise, it's just not going to be good. Just low heat, just let it go. And uh, it's just fork, fork tender. It even tastes better the next day. Um, I mean, when I go on hunting trips, people are asking me to bring it. It's like one of like one of my favorite recipes to make. It's just hearty and it fills you up and it's good with a nice piece of crusty bread and a beer and it's you know a good good way to end the day. Are you cubing up the steaks or whatever, or are they you kind of leave them as a roast or I I know stew would yeah. probably be a chop stuff, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's all your trim. So I mean okay. you can use your your uh, what do they call that the chain like the neck chain you can use that which is really good for stewing the brisket's really good for stewing uh, but you could just break down one of the rows okay it works out really good so you're probably a very popular person for deer camp they're like oh. you guys need to call Calvin he's not only gonna every, bring good food he's gonna cook us good year. food you, you know Calvin's got a spot at camp every year. doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter and he doesn't bring yeah. any beer because everyone's yeah. like yeah. you bring the food we'll take care of the beer yeah we'll take care of him that's my foot in the door yeah. right you know cook cook and everybody wants you to come back you know it's just like an automatic you know reinvite 
but of course they got to bring the beast and yeah. there's just never enough yeah that's, that's true yeah i mean that's why like i brought you on like because like like sometimes like the cooking aspect of the deer or wild game is such like an afterthought like people like and like to be on like me and all that i just don't know like and like you said you can really mess up like a lot of people like oh i don't like deer because it's too gamey because like you said you can you could fry a steak quick yeah it's so not... lean it gets dry so so fast um yeah, if you're not paying attention, you're not knowing what you're doing. It, it's a good way. It, it it's not as forgiving as as a beef steak. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. And and every you know cut or almost every piece of that game or that animal you can use. Like I use it here at home. Where you, you know when you make taco meat, you take your ground burger and you cook it up just like as if you were the beef or like the stew meat, like the cube meat I was telling you guys about. You can make a stroganoff. You know, add your mushrooms and onions, and you can use your cream and mushroom, or you can even do it yourself and just do heavy creams and beef base, uh, maybe a little bit of red wine, and then at the end you finish it with sour cream, and you just you know a little maybe a little bit of chives, and it's it, I mean it's just endless options. Like if you if you compare it to beef, you could pretty much make anything with venison. You really could. You just gotta you know trial and error. When you cut up your venison, do you add any, like, beef or pork fat to the burger when you grind it up? Yeah, I do. It's, uh, it's, it's pork. So okay. I, you know, I do my own butchery. Like, I, I break it all down myself, um, save all my cuts, and then the only thing that I bring to the butcher is uh, the trimmings. And I usually turn that into burger or sticks. I mean, okay. you almost have to now. Like, I don't like our like a basic cut now is like almost a hundred dollars. No, it's not almost. It, uh, it is well, it is hundred dollars. <laughs> like, that's not with vacuum seal bag or nothing. I mean, what's the price for like if you went to a local butcher near you? So you're paying a processing fee. I think the last time I remember paying it was like eighty. 85 maybe a hundred dollars and that was just basically to break it down and then to your point then it's like for every individual request so if it's like sticks burgers you're paying it by pound right like it's crazy expensive and then i mean you you get my average bill is usually like 70 bucks 80 bucks when i do the trim because they're you know the processing fee and then also for the pork but once you start getting into like your summer sausage or your venison sticks it's, it's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's like 10, 15 pounds of dollars a pound. Yeah. yeah. And then like I shot five deer this year. And I mean, like if I did every one took it there, I mean, that's $500 just for the basics of the basic. And so like, yeah, it, it's just like, and it's, it's really good to just know when you're ever like in a pickle, just how, how to do it yourself. So I, yeah, like early season, I'll always take them in if it's warm just because of the time frame. But Late season, if I've got time to hang a deer and, and cut it up, it that's I it, buying the knives, the vacuum sealer, and the meat grinder, best thing I've ever done because I can get it all done in a, a couple hours by myself and and not have to worry about being out a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my buddy did that this year. My buddy Jason, he's grinding his own meat now. He's making jerky. But he definitely did say that he would rather go with like big cut jerky. You know, if you take like your your top round or your bottom round, you're actually cutting it into actual jerky pieces oh. rather than just using the jerky gun. 
He goes, it's it's night and day. He goes, I, I. Oh yeah, that's the way to go. Does he does he use a smoker? Does he do it in the oven? Dehydrator. Yeah, I had a dehydrator, but now I just use it. I do it right in the oven and kind of use the oven as a dehydrator. So instead of, I'll like cook the, <clears throat> well, I'll generally cure the jerky pieces for 24 to 48 hours. And then I'll put them uh, in my oven and I'll cook them for 10 minutes, almost like uh, this is a dairy term, up to pasteurize them a little bit. And then I'll tank the temperature down to like 200 degrees and I'll open the top of the stove or oven so that way air can come out and then just let it sit in there for a couple hours. And man, I love it. This stuff is so good. Nah, I'm a dehydrator fan. I, I, I have a smoker and all that. I even gave you my other smoker, but like... I just like it dehydrated. I don't know if that's just like I think it's uh my dad. That's how my dad did it, and I remember just like helping him do it, and then like always stealing a bunch of his beef jerky and all that. The only thing I disliked about dehydrators, and that's because I had a cheap one, was the temperature, and that's why I went to the oven. Temperature? What was wrong with the temperature? Wasn't hot enough? Yeah, mine didn't get warm enough, no. so I was always nervous about getting sick because I did get sick one day from it. So yeah, I'm always I I just use the ovens specifically because of the uh i can control the temperature and, and it get hot enough to kill any bacteria yeah. and i love i love the dehydrated and make your whole house smell like jerky so awesome. oh, the <laughs> oven does the same thing yeah i guess yeah so if we're talking about jerky uh the last october we were in south dakota because we got there for our annual mule deer hunt and uh my my buddies lucas and and wyatt were out hunting this piece and and a lot of those BLMs are landlocked. So you you can either go in on a section line, and some of those section lines are mile, two miles, three miles. Like, it's crazy just to get back to where you legally can hunt. So they said where they were was super awkward because if they were end of this driveway. And um, soon to come find out that the, the owner of this ranch, that the driveway that they had to park on to get down the section line to hunt this piece, it was the owner of Jack Link's. <laughs> like the, I'm dead serious. They're like, yeah, he, he came down literally with a shotgun on his front seat and a cup of coffee. And he's like, yeah, I'm out here hunting Sharpies. You guys are bow hunting. Man, that's crazy. That's hard. Good luck. They just kept on driving. He didn't even offer no jerky. <laughs> I, would be, I would be throwing it out like uh, parade candy. Well, that like, stuff's like gold nowadays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, a big. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, I, I, no, go ahead. It's pretty, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was uh, around his house, there was elk in South Dakota. Like, we're walking this ridge, and my buddy Jake's like, oh, look at all this sign. And I'm like, that's cattle. Like, there's no way. And he goes, no, I'm serious. It's an elk. We take like 10 or 12 more steps, and I look to my left and down in like this huge draw in the shade because it was super hot that day. It was like a five by five elk just chilling, just sitting there, just watching us, just totally skylighted, walking across the top of this ridge. And, and then all of a sudden, just before dark, uh, here comes one walking on the ridge, bugling. And I mean, it was just insane. And I'm like, we're in Western South Dakota. I'm like, there's no elk out here. And, and this piece where we were, they were everywhere. It's crazy. I guess when you have that money, you can make anything possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely think that it was some tax write-off. He yeah. bought a bunch of elk and uh, yeah. put them out there. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure, yep. So, 
So you got anything else? I mean, I don't want to keep you all night. I really do appreciate you coming on. I mean, do you got anything you want to talk about? I mean. So I never really asked you guys, but do you both shoot Havoc broadheads? So they're not released yet. So I guess um, okay. how it is is um, Spencer um, is a buddy of ours. Um, he lives closer to Joe than me, and he's he's just created them. So the he's getting the first set out this for this upcoming fall. Um, I know Joe and I plan on at least trying to shoot them. Um, he's we've brought him on a couple times to talk about like uh, the the broadheads um, and he actually runs a YouTube uh, called public land prowlers where they run all around Michigan and hunt public land um, he better be happy that I shouted him out yeah, shout but um, yeah. so I'm gonna be looking him up now so <laughs> yeah um, obviously he'll have them um, Joe and I will will we'll give him a shot I mean Worst case scenario, they just don't work for us. I know it's a heavier broadhead; it's a 150 grain broadhead. But I can tell you, if you, I'm gonna guess if you put that into a deer, it's gonna pretty much blow through them. So, as it sits right now, we have not ever shot them. I will say, give us a couple months, um, give him a couple months to to get some in production, and uh, you know, we'll let you know kind of how it goes. Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to get our hands on some of them here. When he gets his like the first batch or whatever, and uh, uh, I I am gonna try doing a lot more trad stuff or with the recurve and all that, and that's what I'm probably gonna probably shoot out of it with is the that, and I, I I like a I use sever. I'm a mechanical guy on my bow or my compound bow, but on my recurve yeah. I'll probably run them. I'll okay. give him a shot. Yeah, I mean we, we both plan on shooting them, so it's uh, good pun. Yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> but yeah, I would say if you want, I mean, like I said, he he has a, a YouTube channel. Um, he'll he'll guarantee be shooting them this year, and uh, he's definitely a big proponent of a heavier setup. So if that's the kind of setups you're looking for to whitetail hunt, elk hunt, mule deer hunt, then I would say a lot of the things that he talks about, a lot of the things that you see him do, that you would be really really interested in. No, thanks. I, I appreciate answering the question. I was just kind of curious. Um, you know, it was an interesting podcast. It was really fun listening in on what he had to say, <laughs> you know, as he was talking about the wound channel and the cutters. And I mean, I think they'd just be devastating. I mean, I, I think he's definitely on a good path as to, you know, getting some some really good opportunities using those broadheads. I'd be curious as to his success and how it, how it goes for him. Yeah, for sure. I would say we're excited too. I mean, the fact that he decided to come on our podcast and talk about it is kind of cool for us. Uh, I mean, we're not a big time podcast by any means, but you know, he he took the time to come on and talk to him. So no, I'm excited to see how they work out, um, and hopefully, I mean, someone gets to put him through a deer this year. That'd be ideal. Yeah, that's what we're, <laughs> I was. We're kind of hoping to have him out before turkey season, but I don't think that's going to happen. So. Well, if you're ever looking for a pro staffer, I definitely will be uh, more than happy to to try them out for you guys if, if you need anybody to, to help. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Spencer will listen. So uh, we'll let him know that uh, we have people inquiring about him. That'll probably make him pretty excited for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you always got to support the brotherhood. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty natural for a bunch of guys to sit around and pack food and hunting and 
everybody, you want them to be successful. Yeah. You really do. As much uh, passion, as much drive as we have, it's, it's important that we keep those traditions going. So <clears throat> this is, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I, I, I love it. I love meeting new people and, you know, networking. And I mean, for all we know, I could have you guys out here in Minnesota one season, you know, hunting. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. Options are endless. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, it is, it really is. And like, uh, I've met some really awesome people through this, like podcast stuff too, and all that. And, uh, like some of the friendships I like met through this is just like, so it's so like, I don't even want to call it like so real, but it's like, it's so small. Like the hunting, like I went down to PA and I was talking to a lot of these guys, but like the hunting community seems so big but it's not it's like so tight and all that and it's it's super cool because like like i've uh hung out with the i don't know if you know the bowhunter chronicles but uh adam miller and all that like like i kind of reached out to him a little bit and i thought you know we both had podcasts so i would be a competitor in, in his eyes complete opposite the guy is the nicest guy i really consider him a really good friend now and like he's he's been basically my mentor and I, I owe him so much and it's so weird for like a, you know, to have somebody just like open their arms like that and help me out so much. And I really do appreciate it. And that that's the beauty about hunting and all that. I mean, even not in the industry, like just people you meet just talking about like, like, like-minded individuals you meet and then you guys just click and then all of a sudden you guys are really good friends. Like, all my friends, I barely talk to any of my friends from high school anymore because I just talk to my hunting buddies now. And that's like me and Matt went to high school and didn't and talk. We didn't talk ever. <laughs> I mean, we we're neutral. We didn't just never talked. And like later in life, we started talking about hunting. And then that's how we became friends is basically through hunting. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, your friendship will last forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's be a little careful on that word right there. <laughs> And yeah, I, mean, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. just wait. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have any kids, but I mean that's another thing that you know, it's it's just tradition. Yeah. And you know, getting your family involved and seeing the kids excited. I mean, mine are, are still pretty young. My oldest uh, is fourteen. He doesn't really partake to, to hunting. I've taken him out a couple of times, but I'm waiting for him to finally like, hey, can you take me out? Like, I want to see what this is all about, and it's just gonna be like the best day ever. Like, I can't wait. So. Yep. No, my oldest is six, and I've taken him out a couple times. The first time I ever took him out, I dropped two does in, like, the exact same sit. Um, and he has not gotten that lucky since, and I think he believes that's how it's supposed to go every time. But uh, um, And then the other one, um, he's only a couple months old, so he, <laughs> he hasn't even got to see a deer season yet. So, uh, no, I, I love taking my kid out hunting, and it's one of the things I look forward to every year, even though – I can only take him out a couple times just because he's so young and I don't want to burn him out, just force him to go out. Yeah. And that's why we yeah. like named the podcast Generations to Hunt. Is just, it's like, it's, it's like taking, like, even if it's not your child or whatever, just seeing another child or a younger individual like go out in the outdoors and experience and fall in love with it is just like so rewarding because it's just like it's almost a dying art kind of in a sense i mean it's it's getting rarer and rarer for kids to go outside and like enjoy hunting or not even hunting just to go outside and stuff so yeah 
and think about uh, I don't know what state it's in where they actually like shut school down because like it's considered like it's, it's hunting season so like there's like no school I'm like where is this well, like this should be in every school district you know I, yeah. I think it's kind of they do that but our school uh, does that doesn't it they shut down for opening day gun yeah. season yeah our opening day gun season is it's like not it's yeah we we always have it off uh, when we are in high school it was and middle school right. <laughs> Or, or I think it was the whole district, wasn't it? The whole county. Yeah, the whole county like would very, shut down, shut down for opening day of gun season, and then. Unreal. Yeah. Well, because it's just like so many kids, is you know their dads going out or whatever, or just like that. We always had it off. I always thought that was normal, so that's not. I guess oh. that's, I don't know. I don't know if they still do that. I don't know either. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you, but it definitely doesn't happen here in Minnesota. <laughs> but, I mean, because yeah, I think it's on average like 300,000 hunters usually leave the metro to go up north for the, for the open so i mean it's, it's crazy busy. yeah it's i don't know ours i don't think they venture up north as much anymore as they used to but it's still opening day in michigan it's uh it's loud that's for sure there's oh, yeah. a lot of shots going off there's a lot of people out there yeah it's not as big yeah. as Wisconsin, but like we we definitely have an orange army for sure. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and from where I was, there was hardly anything going on at our cabin. I think for the weekend, we maybe heard like ten shots, so it was pretty bad this year. Oh, that's where we twenty were. minutes in the opening yeah, day. Mad, maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if you make it twenty minutes in into opening morning without ten shots, something's going wrong. What one time? Uh, this is like when I was younger. I went out to uh, sleep howl, but whatever. Uh, we I could tell where the deer were in the woods because the deer were running, and you could just hear like, and then like you know, 30, 40 feet later, and there'd be another total different guy shooting at these herds of deer, and it would go, and you would literally hear like 15, 20 shots at one herd of deer, and then you come out all to the road, and then you you talking like, hey, you get anything? Nah, nah, nah. No one got anything, but you just heard 20, 30 shots. Like, what? It's crazy. It's it's insane. Yeah. Our last gas guest got shot on public land, too. So, yeah. like, that's how bad it is, too. Yeah. No, that's dangerous. <clears throat> no, yeah. thanks. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, I think that it would be interesting to, especially for people out of the state of Michigan, to experience an opening day gun season in the state of Michigan, even if they hunted private land, to see just how how wild it really is. Like it's, I wouldn't. It, you couldn't pay me to do that to somebody else. Like even on private land, like so you go hunt in the morning. And then when you get done, there'll be multiple buck pulls. So you run around all the buck pulls, you check them out, then you go back out in the afternoon, and then you get done with the evening hunt and then you go see what's now on the buck pole or what you want on the buck pole and things like that. Like it's, I don't know if that's how opening day is up in Minnesota, but over here in Michigan, it's uh, it might as well be a holiday. I mean, people will fight to get off of work. Like I have to talk to my team ahead of time to figure out who's going to hunt. So that way I can like instruct them how I'm going to determine who gets vacation off for opening day. Sure, sure. Um, so you said like buck pole, like like what's going on? Or I I couldn't understand what you were saying. I was trying. Can you explain that so a little buck more? Pole? Okay, so yeah. what a buck pole is is there'll be like 
a bar, a processor, something like that, and they'll have these poles, and um, everyone will bring their bucks to them, no matter how big, wow. how small, wow. and they just hang them up, and they just let them sit there for the day. Now, if it's really, really warm, then they'll kind of take them inside, but most of the time, our gun season starts November 15th, so most of the time it's pretty cold. And then some places will do, like, prizes for biggest buck, um, first buck on the pole, um, the first youth buck, and they'll do all kinds of different prizes. But it's really more just a place for everyone to get together and show off the buck they got on opening day and, and talk about it. And it's actually a pretty cool experience yeah. um, to go check them out. You'll run into people you haven't seen, you know, all year, and you guys will just kind of bullshit for a little while and. Um, it's really great. Like I take my kid up to him because he just likes to see the deer. So yeah, there'll be nothing to have 50, 60 deer on one pole. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. I mean, I, I know what you're saying now. I mean, you always see some of those vintage photos or someone's at their cabin, you know, here's our, our opener success for the weekend, but like to do it like around town, like it's, I don't, I've never really seen that. Yeah. Oh, there'll so. be multiple. So I can tell oh, you, yeah. I can think of one right now. So in our county so within a 20 minute 30 minute radius of my house they've got one at r&b they've got fabus they've got the the one in langsburg young's young's has one fortitude fortitude has one and these are all within 20 minutes yeah, of my house this, this is all oh, in, yeah. All, and all, oh yeah they'll be full oh, they'll be full yeah for sure and the, each easy. one like like they, like you said, sometimes they give out cash. Sometimes they'll do like a taxidermy. A taxidermist will sponsor it, and you get a free shoulder mount if it's the, the biggest cool. buck. It's it's just super cool. It gets like some a lot of them kids that like, if they didn't get a buck, you know, like they didn't go with their dad and they didn't get a buck, they can go see bucks and all that and kind of keep them in interested or you can go there as an adult and get really salty that you didn't see shit <laughs> yeah and, and some dude who hasn't bow hunted all year and you walk up to his buck with four shots in it yeah yeah you believe me? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's a good place <laughs> sometimes it just depends on who you are but it depends on how your season's yeah, going yeah it's all about attitude <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. No, that's pretty cool. It, 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 that site to see, maybe that's some content that you guys could share. Or uh, I'd actually be curious if you guys ever do any uh, like video photography, like opening morning and just listen to like what's going on. Yeah, you know that that'd be crazy to hear that amount of shots within yeah. a short period of time. Yeah, we're Joe does a lot better of it than I am. He he he's constantly on me about taking videos and pictures, and I just always forget. But uh, we're getting a little bit better at it now. We've got a TikTok up, and uh, we keep getting banned because Joe yeah. keeps putting dead animals on there. Apparently, but, uh, you can't put dead animals. I don't even put them getting shot, man. They're just they're already dead. They're, they're, <laughs> what's the difference between that and a Big Mac sandwich? They're both food to me. Yeah. Uh, you can't argue with them, guys. But no, I would say I. It, it's a pretty good, pretty good chance that Joe and I will get together at some point on opening day if it's to at least check out the buck poles or yeah, that probably you know things like that will happen i see i go up north with my dad and it's oh, not I so get that he does that i yeah. do this my you know that's 
the one of the reasons why I got into hunting later in life is to get closer to my dad, and I go up north with them every opening day, just spend time with them. Is we usually don't see big bucks. I got way bigger bucks down here, state, but I just go up there and hang out with him and my my grandpa and my uncles and all that. So but Joe will direct me to go to the buck. Pole yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll definitely. <laughs> we have a buck pole up there too, but it's just like it's not like the gunshots are not that prevalent. I'm in a huge national forest and stuff, but so. Yeah. Like a hundred inch buck up there is a really, really good buck. So, but it's just yeah. a different atmosphere. And we, we've, like I said, that's when I was younger, when I went out to the public land and I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. So yeah, yeah, I probably won't do that, but I've, even on private land, yeah, sometimes I can private. guarantee you, I can sit in my stand and just, just turn on a camera and tape an hour and Please hear do. 50 shots. It, 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 it's a pretty wild experience and you'll just start seeing deer just start running yeah i almost i'm always on them about getting content it just everything just film everything i don't care just film <laughs> something that's all i need yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah so, so i mean i don't want to keep you forever i do i this has been a great conversation it's like we never even met but it's a just flown beautiful yeah no, man, definitely I'm, gonna have you back man yeah like, i'm glad you came on for sure yeah dude i mean do you have anything else before we leave or whatever you want to talk about i mean no, no, I, I like like I said, this was great. I think conversation was awesome, and we were just buddies, just sharing stories and talking about good food. And I mean, I'd I'd love to come back. We could talk about more recipes. You know, I, I know one of the things we didn't really get a chance to talk about, but like stand snacks. Oh like, man, that's we could do a whole episode. Yeah, yeah, Sit here and talk for like two, three hours just about like stand snacks. Like, what are your essential like day packs? Okay. What you're gonna bring in like for the day? Just yeah. regular. Only can get out of gas station. What's your stand snack of choice? Real quick. What do you? What do you? What do you get in? Uh, Keebler crackers, the cheddar peanut butter. Hmm, that's a solid choice. Mine is either cosmic brownie or zebra cake. That's like my snack. Okay. I'm always grabbing. I always grab jerky and then sour patch. I love sour I mean, patch Jack, kids. Jerky's like kind of basically. Yeah. Well, then outside of jerky, it's gonna be. I love sour patch kids. Sour patch kids. Yeah, I'll oh. eat them all day. Oh my god, my tongue worst. would be like. <laughs> it gives, paper. Me the, gives me the worst gas, but I love it. That's but your mouth would be raw. That's a lot of sugar and salt. It'd just be completely raw and uh, inside your mouth. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. No, just seeing some of the content that people share. I mean. You got people that have like a hot dog wrapped in foil and they put it in their Yeti Rambler to keep it warm. <laughs> like, I've seen one guy that had like, um, uh, it was like nacho. Like, he literally was like pouring like nacho cheese like out of his like tea mug and, and then he was sitting there eating chips. So I'm like, okay, come on. Like, it's a little far fetched. Like, I, all of a sudden you just see like, oh, you know, and then here comes a beer and like, you just, yeah. But uh, it's, it's pretty crazy what people come up with, even like breakfast burritos or wraps or whatever. Yeah. Those, those Yeti Ramblers are pretty money. They're clutch, yeah. for sure. I'm going to have my wife give me one now. Yeah. Do you have Casey's out there? Yeah, yeah we do, for sure. So have, what is Casey's? Oh, it's, it's a gas station that has the best well, gas station pizza. I, yeah. I, I don't understand it. We don't have a lot of them around. You have to go like almost like the Indiana border before you get some in Michigan, but we don't have them. But yeah. I've heard legendary stories. When I go out west, I always stop at some Casey's and get me some some uh, Casey pizza. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. They definitely 
good job. But I mean, it's almost like you're walking into a gas station and a grocery store. Like it's crazy the amount of stuff you can find in those. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Maybe when I go to Kansas this year, I'll I'll look for Casey's and stuff. Yeah, you should you should find some on yeah Casey's and all that. I'll put it right in Google Maps. <laughs> you're just get their gas stations. You're just gonna pass them. They're not like a destination one. They're everywhere. They're like our speedway. Okay, well, I'll find one. Okay. Well, <laughs> Calvin, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you again. And yeah, no, I really appreciate it. I, I I thought it was a great time. I didn't know what to expect really, but no, it's it's been a great great conversation, and 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 I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you. I mean, I wish you the best success coming up into this next season. And listen, you know, all I'm hoping is that you send us a picture of the buck, the trail camera yeah. picture of that Forget buck our on season. the ground. It's yeah. all about you, Calvin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, if I find the chance, I, I guarantee I'll be sending them to you oh, guys. Oh my god. So. Yeah. Yep. We won't show no one them. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be discussing that. Oh uh, no. But thanks for coming on.